It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, snowflakes. I like your your um, whoop. That was good. Yeah, well, very I'm, slick. I'm feeling a little bit like um, like a like I should be on a Saturday night game show or something. That'd be great. Yeah. What would your catchphrase be? Fishing on a night. <laughs> Reel That'd me in because I'm fishing on a night. <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay. Well, if anybody's out there and wants to give Richard Porritt a um, well, a, I've got a, another a idea. Show. I've got another idea for a for a game Sorry, show. Sorry, game I, show, not I think, a talk show. Or indeed, I'm happy to happy to do a talk show as well. But um, I've got an idea for a game show, um, and it's been a few years in development actually already. It's called Effing and Jeffing. And, oh yeah, good. And basically, we, we'd need someone called Jeff to to front it up. But I'm sure we could Jeff find. Someone. I was thinking Jeff Barton. Jeff Barton. Yeah, the leader Who's of the Jeff? head teachers union. Oh, okay, right, okay. <laughs> He's I was going to say there used, there used to be a bloke called Jeff Barton who was the the editor of he was Britain's leading heavy metal journalist. Is that right? Well, we'll talk about Jeff Barton, the head teacher's leader, a little bit later on. I imagine he's a, he's a good guy, Jeff. Um, or, or maybe Jeff. Jeff Thomas. Jeff Thomas, yeah, Crystal Palace midfielder and, and failed England footballer. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest he, miss well, of all time. Well, exactly. And when I, when back in the day when I wrote about football um, all the time, we, I, I, I sent one of our staffers off to interview Jeff Thomas, and yeah. we had like a, a, a list of sort of twenty questions that everybody answered. We had a little Q and A that we did with every every interview because you know, with the best will in the world, when you talk to a footballer, it's not really like talking to a film director or a, a guitarist or a songwriter or something like that, you know. So. To ease it along, we had these little Q and A questions, and one of them was, "What is the wor- what was the worst moment of your life?" And he he said, uh, "He went with well, the chip, obviously." Oh, wow. um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> poor guy. And, and of course, it, and of course, it was poor yeah. guy. And he was actually quite a useful midfielder for Palace. Wasn't yes, he? he was. Yeah, um, yeah, he was. He was. He was tidy. Yeah. So, welcome back, everyone. I do hope you're all podcast. Well, I do hope you're all well. Um, well. Of course, as usual, we'll be doing the news. I, I must say, at this juncture, of course, as I have been doing for the last few weeks, I know a lot of you normally come to just us for the news. I would implore you to maybe take some daily news from somewhere else. The new European podcast is a good starting place, but perhaps the Today programme, or even just tune in at five o'clock to one of the news channels for the daily briefing because it's fast moving, a lot of changes. 
Um, and if you're only getting your news from us, you could be a week late. You could be in a lockdown for a week longer. Or, yeah. you know, you, you, anything could happen. So we'll, we'll get back to just coming to us for the news. But we will get to some news. And then, of course, we will crown a Brexiteer of the Week. And I think there's a quiz as well, yeah? There's a quiz. There's a Brexiteer of the Week. It's all going on. It is all going I've found on. I've some people who hate Britain. Yeah. <laughs> as, as much as the as also as, as do you remember when when we, we used to be told that we hated Britain? Yeah, yeah, we did. And we um, hate Britain, you Remainers. Yeah, well, we I've do. found some people who really hate Britain now, so I'm going to talk about them in a minute. <laughs> Someone sent me a very interesting uh, online comment because when you when you write stories and you publish them online, you often get comments. Now I um, have never. We call it well. I, I, one of my old editors used to call it reading below the fold, and it was it was basically because it you know um, broadsheets would have a fold in the middle, and he'd sort of yeah. applied it to web pages, whereby you scroll down long enough, you get to the readers' comments, and often they are a lot of fun. Certainly, the Daily Mail comments are, are a lot of fun often. But um, t- today, I've been called out by a reader of one of my articles as being a self self confessed Brexiteer. That's right. You are a self-confessed Brexiteer. Yes, yes. It was. It was actually somebody who was in, in common with um, in common with all sorts of news organisations. We are now um, suggesting to readers that they might want to um, they might want to um, help us out by um, sending us a little bit of money. Um, and yeah, that's that's right. It's so have you seen this comment? In, didn't they? Have you? I haven't no, seen it. In, no, no, no. But uh, I was told about it earlier on today, and they said I'm not. We won't. I'm not giving you any money while you employ a Brexiteer like Richard Porritt. We should really send so, them. A, send them. A, I'm a, afraid a, a note of this podcast, and maybe they could listen from from even back to the very first one, and maybe that's right. Maybe um, maybe have a little rethink there. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, what, what, what's, what's been going on with you? Firstly, before we get to the news, just tell me a little bit about how you are. How, how's your week been? What have you been doing? What have you been watching? What have you been wearing? Uh, I'm, I only wear shorts now. Obviously, <laughs> I wear something on my top as well, but I, I think shorts are my new official uniform, which, you know, middle-aged men in, in, in shorts is, is, is as rarely a good look, is it? Well, I um, but I think at the moment it's... Um, it's the only way to go. I mean, and for anyone I who hasn't seen me and you in person, it, it, we have been compared to... Um, Little and Large. <laughs> Laurel and Hardy. Um, no, Laurel and th- Hardy, yeah. No, no, I was thinking, I thought we, we'd been compared to um, to Brad Pitt and, and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the, in, the, yes. in the film, in the Tarantino film. Yes. Uh, Much more like that, I think. Yeah, it's probably a bit like that. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I'm I'm a bit bored with everything now. I must say, I'm enjoying the time to catch up on reading. Mm. Uh, I'm reading some. I'm reading some uh, a really good uh, series of um, crime fiction, detective fiction books, actually by, oh. by, by Walter Mosley ah. at the moment, who's famous for for writing the easy role in books that were set in the 40s and 50s. Um, and these are uh, set in in uh, modern day New York, and are about a, 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 again, it's another sort of uh, black detective called Leonid McGill. They're very good. Um, yeah, cool. I'm reading one at the moment, which is a third of five, which is called When the Thrill Is Gone, uh, and that's very good. I tell you what, I have read though, uh, uh, which I read in a kind of I think I read it in two sittings, 
and it is a book called One, Two, Three, Four by Craig Brown, and it's a book about the Beatles. And Craig Brown, oh, yeah. if you don't know, is um, Craig Brown is a humorist. Is uh, one of I mean, he's, he's one of the funniest men uh, in Britain. Uh, he writes a diary in Private Eye. He writes a very funny column. Um, uh, I'm, I'm afraid to say it's in the Daily Mail, but it's, uh, it's, the, the, it's the bit of the Daily Mail that is worth reading every week. Um, and he wrote a fantastic book called uh, Mom Darling last year, which was a, a series of anecdotes about Princess Margaret. And this one is a series, so very similar, one, two, three, before, it's a series of anecdotes about the Beatles. Um, and I'd really like to uh, read that. And I, I read a review of it, and it said, you know, so much um, that's written about the Beatles takes itself very seriously and takes the subject matter very seriously. And actually, these were just four blokes having the time of their life, you know, and and Craig Brown has sort of captured that part of it better than anyone else has. So I'd, I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah, it's very good. If, even if you've read a lot of stuff about the Beatles, um, as I have over these many years, it is, it is there is still some stuff in there. There's, there's a great bit about the act who were on the Ed Sullivan show when the Beatles broke America. They were on the Ed Sullivan show um, to sort of, up-and-coming, uh, a pair of uh, kind of up-and-coming comedy duo who had written a very clever sketch and they basically went on to an audience who was hyped up for the Beatles and their career essentially fell apart after that. It's full of little bits like that. It's very, very, it's, it's very, very good. It's, it's, for me, it's not quite as good as, as uh, Mom Darling, which is really excellent, but, um, but that's because I'm... That's because I've read so many books about the Beatles. Is it true, Steve, that you wrote the review in the Olden Chronicle as a trainee of the Beatles? Is, is it true that who did? You. That I wrote a review of the, of the, of the Beatles when you were the a trainee. It's not, no, that is not true. That is not true. Uh, it is uh, very true that, that, the, uh, that, that uh, the former editor of the New European and still the publisher <coughs> of the New European, Matt Kelly, his dad was the first man to properly interview the Beatles. That was for the Liverpool Echo oh, wow. in 1962. And he um, got on so badly with John Lennon, who he described as very rude, um, <laughs> that he deliberately misspelled his name in the Liverpool Echo, thinking this will, this man will never come to anything. And now he's missed his only chance of ever seeing his name appear correctly in print. That's I think he called him John Lennon. John Lennon. Like I think yeah. I've heard that. Story. I think Matt's told me that story. That's a brilliant, brilliant story. I've been reading, yeah. um, bit niche this, I've been reading Bring the Heat, which is a book um, which uh, by a very celebrated journalist whose name escapes me, um, American journalist, who's written about war zones and all kinds of things, who spent a year with the Philadelphia Eagles in the early 90s, which is very good. Um, probably not as oh, good as... Good. Probably not as good as Collision Crosses, which is the About Jets. The New York Jets. Yeah, have you read that one? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I support the New York Jets, so that's, that's very good. Fantastic book. Um, and what have I been listening to? I've been, well, you caught me just before we came on and listening to a bit of Fortet. Um, and I'm a all, bit of what, sorry? A bit of Fortet. A bit of Fortet, yeah. 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 And, um, and I've also been listening to a lot of New Order. Um, yes, we were talking about New Order the other night on Messenger, weren't we? We were, yeah. We would. We were trying to decide our favourite uh, New Order albums and songs, and it's difficult actually because they were a singles band, really, weren't they? And the, um, and yeah. a lot of their singles weren't. You know, a lot of the, in fact, pretty much all the big famous hits were not on the albums. Um, but I think 
Corruption, power, and lies is the one that we all agree on is the best. Yeah, power, cor- power corruption, and lies. Power. Co- what did I yeah. call it? I think you got the. You did got did it I get them the wrong way around? Oh, well, there you go. I wasn't alive then. I probably was actually. Yeah, I was. Uh, Culture of power, corruption, and lies. Pretty Patel's immigration <laughs> bill has been shelved. The, the, the segues are seamless on this podcast. I was yes. going to mention that it was a blue um, Monday for Pretty when. Uh, <laughs> Have I wonder been, if she's got any regret. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, do you think she'll try and get it back Jeff, on? Do you think she'll like try everybody else? Uh, watching what? I do, wait a minute. I'll, we'll come back to that. Do you think she'll try and get the bill back in front of um, back in front of MPs when the world is in motion again? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> well. It's not just thrown together, is it? What's devs? Uh, well, there's a lot of confusion about that. Oh. Also, a new order thing. Um, I can't be bothered doing any more new order puns. If she gets that through, there'll be some it's ceremony. Got the hook. So, <laughs> uh, so far, so um, and not before time, really. And I think it will. It will have to be changed, won't it? Mm. I think the. I think the idea that um, that we are going to disrespect. A, a lot of these people who have helped us so much during this crisis um, and stop them from coming is is uh, is, is very dangerous, and I think um, I think it's, it's very wrong. I think people, in, even in the Conservative Party, are coming round to that idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we will see. We will see. Uh, what else has been happening with you? Um, uh, well, like yourself, you know. It, it, it's becoming it becomes more and more tricky every day, I think, doesn't it? But uh, but yeah, it's fine. I, I I mean, the thing is, I was saying this to a um, to a, a young person friend of mine. You know, when um, when this is done and and we are traipsing around tile warehouses of a weekend, um, yeah, we'll, we will say, oh, wasn't it nice when we were literally had nothing to do but lie on the sofa and read books? <laughs> you know, so I think. I think it is important to maybe just try and grasp a positive. You know, I spent all last weekend pretty much, like like you, like yourself, with my feet up reading a book. Um, it's very rare that adult humans have the ability to do that. So it is it is a kind of nice pause. I mean, it's very hard to to work in these conditions, etc. And obviously, there is a lot of concern, a lot of fear, and a lot of sadness around. But perhaps. Maybe just a pause for thought is not such a bad thing. No, no. But equally, I'll be very glad when oh my um, god some restrictions are eased. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't um, wait to get to that tile warehouse. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. And we are. I mean, we, we, we're waiting for Boris Johnson now, aren't we? It's like waiting for Godot. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, every, it's going to be everything is paralysed yeah. until. Boris Johnson returns. Now we're recording this on the Thursday. I don't. We're not expecting him to spring up um, at any point on Thursday night. There was some talk last week that he would be returning to work by the end of the end of the week. So, yeah. so maybe we would see him, you know, Friday, which is what the uh, Friday is the twenty fourth, yeah. isn't it? Or maybe Saturday, or maybe Sunday, or maybe we'd start. Next week on the twenty seventh, seeing Boris Johnson, and we're edging ever closer to this um, pre bank holiday. Well, there was this bank holiday weekend, aren't we? The, the weird one that starts on does it start on a Friday for VE Day? 
Oh, God, yeah. I wonder, so do you know what, that's weird, because I, <laughs> I was just looking at my online rotor to try and make sure what staff were taking holiday and all these kind of things, to juggle about 10 people, and uh, I saw that the Friday was, and I was like, well, that's incorrect, why? So we've got a Friday, Monday bank holiday coming up. No, we've only got Friday bank holiday. Why we? have we got a Friday well, bank holiday? Because they've moved it to, to uh, commemorate the 75th anniversary of VE Day. Ah, right. So and that there was a theory, be... wasn't there, a couple of weeks a couple of weeks back that this would be the big weekend when, you know, the Friday, you know, he might tumble back onto our TV screens and say, right, chaps, it's, you know, we're Party! celebrating. And, and it's, it's, you know, from Monday or from today, some kind of lockdown restrictions are eased now. Well, that's I mean, unlikely, isn't it? I would well, it seems to have been because because everything that we see coming out of, you know, coming out of well, I was going to say sources close to Boris Johnson. It probably is, but um, so wait a minute. But, when's that bank know, holiday then? Is that two weeks tomorrow? It's that's right, isn't it? Yeah. So that will land exactly on the day that the review is due. The review is due on the Thursday. That's isn't right. It? So that was the that was that's the that was the big theory that on the, on the <coughs> Thursday or the, you know we, he might say the Thursday or the Friday might be a big return for Boris Johnson and he might say right these bits are, are easing but but the stuff we're being told about yeah. Boris Johnson is that he's in a funny place. A well, funny place. Yeah, Not that funny. <laughs> be quite um, funny if you just walk a, up there. He's in a funny place. It would be yeah. He's <laughs> in a funny place. He seems very tentative, and um, you know. And, and that the, the, he, he is not, well, it seems to, whether you're a, a hawk or a dove seems to change, doesn't it? Um, not not which camp you're in, but the, the, the fact that I think initially the doves were, were people who were saying we should ease the lockdown and now they're being described as the hawks and Boris Johnson is being described as a dove for not wanting to, to ease the lockdown. Well, I think, but I all, mean, Chris, after all the talk of these lockdown measures being eased in, on May the 8th, you know, now we're, we were told that the schools would, would be going back on May the 11th, and now, you know, people are saying <laughs> the schools aren't going to go back until June the 1st. Well, that brings, um, me to, um, that brings me to my friend Jeff Barton, who I mentioned at the top of the pod. He, he, oh, he, yeah. He's, the, he was, he's one of these superheads. Um, an incredible career of turning schools around and... Um, and doing a, a, a smashing job, um, Jeff. And he was um, he was at King Edward the oh, blimey King Edward the Fourth, I think, school in Bury St Edmunds. Did an incredible job. He's now head of the sort of college and secondary school head teachers union or whatever it is. And he was saying June June the first. Let's make that a target and prep for yeah. it now. Prep for it now. Because it's not yeah. as easy as just flinging open the school gates, taking the padlocks padlocks off. You know. It's, no. And and I think that is sensible. In fact, I've just been writing a piece saying saying as such. You know, the first thing with people talking about garden centres. Well, yeah, all right, garden centres is great, but the very first priority needs to be getting our children back into schools. Um, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the medical the medical science behind closing the schools w- w- wasn't really there. Um, I know I've said yeah. this before, and I know people will attack me on Twitter. You know, whatever, but. It wasn't the the, the it, witty and his people still, although they were hushed about it, w- were still saying closing schools is not going to make any difference. Obviously, economically, 
it's massive to close schools down because productivity goes down, people are being furloughed that perhaps wouldn't have need to have been furloughed because they were having to look after children. Um, that's money, that's extra money that me, you and every one of the people listening is paying for people. So that's more money that's we're going to have to be paid back. And it's and that's people getting 20% less money than they would have previously to spend on shops um, and whatever when these places yeah. are reopened. So it's not as simple as just closing schools. You know, productivity in this country has been awful forever. Well, it's not going to improve when people are very gallantly and doing their very best trying to homeschool and work a job at the same time. Those poor people who've suddenly got children at home and are trying to and are trying to juggle a job and keep in work, I feel so bad for them. It must be an absolute nightmare. Um, you know, I can barely juggle my own schedule without having to worry about kids, you know, I mean... Yes, exactly. And I mean, everyone who's listening to this, um, and thank you for continuing to listen, the, the, the listening figures have been amazing during this, so thank you all. Um, but everyone who's listening to this will will have been on a call probably with somebody, if you are still working, where which has been interrupted by kids. Um, you know, I, I, that happens in our group... In our group, um, yeah. uh, Teams calls almost every day. And, and you I know, think, like the I mean, kid I mean, wanders in, you can hear somebody <laughs> shouting in the background. Et cetera, We've had et some brilliant ones, actually. And I mean, I think everyone is everyone, and, and most good companies, and certainly the company we work for, have been are really cool about all this kind of thing. We understand oh, course, the yeah. issues behind it. And we've had some brilliant ones. <laughs> the kid wandered in, and dad just sort of tried to carry on giving his presentation and just sort of did a little handoff to the kid who who then fell into the door. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. And there was another one where the kid came in behind without Dad seeing him just shot him with a Nerf gun. (laughs) 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 I mean, the entertainment value is brilliant, but when you're the person who's being shot, you feel like, oh, my God, you know. And it does does, does cause issues, potentially. So get... The kid. We need a plan. This thing about an exit strategy, and we spoke about it last week, um, it's not necessarily, and Keir's been saying this, Keir Starmer's been saying this, um, it's not necessarily we need to know when it's going to happen, but we need to prep so that when it does happen, we're ready. We want this recession to be U-shaped, not to be uh, not to be an ever-declining line, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and the difficult position that Boris Johnson has found himself in, or he found himself in when these stories started to emerge. I mean, we talked about them last week, and they really started to come out um, a couple of Sundays ago about people like Michael Gove supporting a, you know, an easing of, phased easing of lockdown restrictions. The, the difficult situation that he finds himself in is that certainly until this, until the start of this week, people seem to be very approving of the lockdown measures and in fact you know we'll talk about that again in in a minute when we talk about these people who hate britain but um but people seem to be really approving of the lockdown measures and so boris johnson really couldn't come out and say well we're gonna we're gonna ease the lockdown measures when they were so popular and that really goes against boris johnson's whole shtick doesn't it because boris johnson is not renowned for his caution He is renowned for tiggerish optimism and going, just believe in Britain and believe in each other and everything will be all right. Believe in Brexit, believe in this, believe in that. We'll get it sorted out. And and what he is, in effect, saying is, well, 
we, it's belief just belief just isn't isn't enough and 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 uh, and so it's a difficult situation for him and now it's become e- even more difficult because what we see this week is the numbers most people still supporting a, a, a big lo- a harsh lockdown but the polls are beginning to turn you know the government's approval rating has gone down three percent its disapproval rating has gone up four percent we've had you know a drip 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 of this PPE fiasco all week. Yeah, we've had other countries easing their lockdowns. You know, we're we're in with France and you know France and uh, and the Netherlands are the, the and the and Portugal are the only really big countries, aren't they? Greece, Hungary, or Ireland to uh, to be in the same boat with us. But but even France have talked <laughs> about easing, and we've got Germany, Belgium, we've got U.S. states, we've got Spain. A, a, Coming out, announced are uh, going to announce a date when they're going to come out. Italy have announced May the third uh, that they're going to come out. And, I mean, and the, people, thing is, the thing is, people it, are becoming frantic about this, aren't they? And, and they are. Saying, but we've well, got to be. You know, I I was um, I was uh, of the uh, uh, apart from the schools, which I was a very big fan of keeping open. I've been I've been. Very supportive of the of the lockdown of the social distancing. I think it, I think yeah, the, you know, the figures the figures seem to to play out um, from what we're seeing. The, you know the medical science. I will always 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 go back to what the scientists say. You know whatever Michael Gove thinks, he's suddenly a fan of experts. I have always been a fan of experts, and I trust them um, because I think that they have got no. There's no political agenda. They're doing it because that is what their research tells them. What their um, what their you know what their, their studies say so i am of the thinking and i've got a friend who lives in texas who is very very concerned that they are rushing this through and you know obviously um i'm hugely concerned about the economy um massively concerned about the economy but the the economy comes second to public health and so we've got to be very, very careful about about rushing out just because there is some kind of will from the public. I think that the government was bounced into closing schools because the public wanted it. I hope they're yep. not bounced into lifting restrictions too early. Then we get a second wave and we yo-yo between lockdown and not lockdown um, for for years. Um, yeah. You know, there is some there is some encouraging stuff. We've we you know the, we've asked the public to do incredible things and they've done them. We don't want to throw it out now, so no, I would be not. I would be supportive. Yes, all right, perhaps we can get the schools back in June, or you know, I mean, what I'm actually suggesting in in a piece that I've written today is that we we oh, there's my phone dying. Is that we cancel um, the summer holidays for the schools? We cancel them. We say right. I know it wasn't much of a holiday when you were stuck inside, but we need you to get back to work. You need to catch up. There's stuff you need to be doing, and um, you know, summer holidays are cancelled. All right, if you've got a holiday booked and it's in this country and you're able to go, that's fine. You're not going to be fined for taking your kids out or anything like that. But yeah. instead of having six weeks off um, during July and August, uh, we, the schools are going to be open and we suggest that parents send their kids. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think that's right. I mean, I think what's what's your what would you what would be your guess then for May the seventh, which is the Thursday, um, the Thursday when the next announcement is due. So, politically, I mean, I, I, I would be I would be surprised now 
if there was not some mild lifting oh, of yeah. some yeah, yeah, yeah. restrictions. Yeah. Even if it was <clears throat> garden centres can reopen. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be so even if it was kindergartens can reopen. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know exactly what it is. No, there's going to be very surprised so, if there was nothing. This is about. This is such a tricky thing to manage for the government, and you know whatever you think of this government, this is a really tricky situation. Um, and you know, I think every government ever would struggle, would have struggled with it in some way, shape, or form. But um, they need the, the government need to throw a bone to the public in order to, you know, they need to give them a pat on the back. Need to give them something. Is it garden centres or is it smaller shops? Is it is it cafes or something? That and they still have to. I mean, Chris Whitty said yeah. social distancing will continue probably until the end of the year. So how can we get? You know, supermarkets have remained open. That seems to be working. Is there a way that we can uh, police other stores so that a similar thing happens, similar thing works? I think that's the sort of thing we're going to see. And hopefully, at that stage, and I I really do, I do think that send it. You know, just go in right. And the schools are open on Monday. That ain't going to work. I think a plan to get kids back to school by June would be superb. I think everyone, but but. Otherwise, still don't travel, no offices opened, still social distancing. We've got to be really strict on that because what you don't want the public to hear is, oh, some shops are reopening, right, I'm off to the park with a beer. Um, you yeah, know, we'd all exactly. dearly love to be out in the sunshine with a beer, um, but we we really need to. they really need to back up that message. And, you know, but let's be honest, the messaging has not been clear on this. The messaging has been poor. And, you know, again, I have some sympathy with, with <laughs> the incredible... Um, a problem that has been put in front of uh, people, and I think um, I think some of the messaging has been has been pretty pretty lax. But I also think some of the messaging has been pretty good, and people have listened. And that has been the stay at home, stay two meters apart. You know, when you walk, when I go out for my walk, and I'm sure you do as well. It's most people are moving into the middle of the road if you're on the pavement or whatever. That's right. Yeah. So that's worked. Yeah. Now getting that getting that next level of messaging. Yes, we're reopening this. Yes, we're reopening that. Oh, <laughs> and still, yeah. and still saying, however, <laughs> non-essential travel. I mean, is it really essential that you go and buy a plan? I mean, you know, I, it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's not. It's not essential that you go and buy a plan, is it? As much as I want garden centres to succeed, how is that essential? No, it's not. It's no, it's not particularly essential. But I suppose that they, you know. I suppose they would say that a lot of the big supermarkets, the garages that are still open, I mean, the the the, the uh, B&Qs which have reopened are all selling plants, so why, so why shouldn't they? Um, yes, yes, no, so I understand that. I understand that, their problems. That but would like, be I their mean, argument. Garages is a little bit different, isn't it? Because how do nurses and doctors get to work if they haven't got any petrol? Exactly. Exactly. And the, and the other things, the other things all... Um, uh, all do the same, but you know we are some starting to see people. You know, some branches of Burger King have reopened, haven't they? Some branches of KFC have reopened. Five Guys have reopened. We are seeing people, businesses, adapting and getting on with this. Um, and it, it seems, it seems to me that you know they won't be. The government wouldn't be able to impose a, a, a lockdown of. You know, medium-sized shops for, for for very long without a lot of resistance from the people that traditionally support the government. Whether it's whether it's right or wrong, I mean, it's re- it's always really worth watching the 
the sort of house journals of the Conservative Party at times like this. I always think it was, you know, they, they made fascinating reading during the whole Brexit process. And, you know, I was reading the Telegraph yesterday, you know, the, the, a minister in there, obviously unnamed. One minister's assessment is that two thirds of the total cabinet favour a substantial reduction in yeah. restrictions at the next review. I was reading The Spectator last night. The view in Whitehall is the most likely outcome of the next review is a mild lifting of restrictions. Um, and then I read the Daily Mail on Thursday morning, which had a big report about officers of the 1922 committee had a, a sort of crisis meeting with the chief whip last night and say, saying, this is ludicrous. Why can't we even just have a timetable? Um, and... Uh, That's yeah, it. I and think I human I... nature suggests that we need something to aim for, and a timetable. Yes, exactly. is... But but then I understand as well that the government, uh, you know, the medical um, professionals are saying well, we just don't know yet. I can understand that as well. But this is a clash of of hearts and, and minds, really, isn't it? Hitting together because your heart tells you I want to go out in the park, and your mind says perhaps it's not time yet. It very much is. And, and but you know, there is only really one person who can stand up and say this is what we are going to do, as has has been proven. You know, I mean, it, Michael Gove last week appeared to be saying, right, we're coming out. A couple of days later, he was saying, right, we're definitely extending for another three weeks, and 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 there will be no lockdown. His, his star seems to have risen and, and fallen. He was a bit of a disaster on these uh, media appearances yeah. at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Dominic Raab, I mean, we'll talk about it, it, the sort of polite stilettoing that Keir Starmer gave him in a minute, but, um, you know, uh, and Matt Hancock has been a complete disaster. Well, should we um, focus on Matt since as you brought him up? Because um, our, well, our friend Hat Mancock has had a, a, a car crash. It's been a, it's been a tyre fire, hasn't it? He actually looked the other day like he was about to burst into tears. After his sort of defiant snapping that we talked about in the in the last podcast where he, he you know he sort of snapped at a couple of people hadn't he Mar I think and uh, and uh, Piers Morgan he'd sort of said if you just you know and, and he, he was very defiant the other day um, I mean clearly his testing targets are uh, are way off beam and there isn't really a way that I mean unless they, they ramp up stuff significantly there it doesn't really seem to be a way that we'll be conducting a hundred thousand tests a day um by the end of the month by by well this time next week isn't it well he's very cleverly um, trying to well not that clever actually as he's he's trying to be clever and squirm out of it and say oh capacity well <laughs> capacity the, that's not what testing. he said though is no, it it's not it's not it's, what he said and it's, it's not, not what boris johnson what he, said it's not what he said, and if you, I mean, we're in Norwich, and they're saying there are loads of tests available for doctors in Norwich, but the the centre for them is three hours away. Well, that's about as much use as a chocolate fire guard, isn't it? And it's not the fault of the the doctors and nurses here. Um, and really, you know, the, the I think whichever way you slice it, and you know, people close to Matt Hancock have already seem to be saying when there is a review of this, our handling of PPE is going to come out really badly. But, you know, we were, in all things, we've been led by scientific advice. But, I mean, it it appears that the decision by the government, by Matt Hancock, but probably 
taken at a higher level than Matt Hancock to to, to take the, the sourcing of PPE away from the NHS and centre it in government has been a complete disaster. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, 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 it is absolutely incredible that we're producing hundreds of thousands of items of PPE in this country. And while we are missing them, we, people are, are selling them overseas. It's, it's incredible, remarkable. It, 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 I mean, it is going to be, uh, obviously, we're, we're a good two weeks into the PPE argument now. And, you know, Matt Hancock, who... I would have said going into this uh, crisis was it was one of the one of the the better performing ministers actually. Um, although you know, there's plenty of times when he's had gaffes and whatnot. Um, I mean, it it, it ripped him to shreds, and I think he, any any um, ambition he had of of holding the very highest office is gone. It's not. Isn't that is never going to happen? Is it? No, it is never going to happen. Um, and it's good. No. I mean, it's good that. I mean, in a, in a way, um, it's good that he's been tested <laughs> before before getting there. Because this is. A, I mean, I'm not saying that the guy's not working hard. I just think some of the ways he's he's come across, perhaps in TV interviews. And I think we saw that um, initially with his with his tetchiness um, around Mar yeah. and a few others. Um, it, it, it 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 was the signs of things slipping, and and like you say now, he looks um, crestfallen, um, and 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 rightly so. There have been errors. There have been errors, serious errors. Yeah, absolute error. Yeah, complete errors. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I just I don't think there's a good outcome um, for for Matt Hancock um, from all of this, especially you know when you consider the the fourth test. In the five tests, yeah. Why don't we run through the um, five tests? Well, let's let's just run through them because this this will, you know, Dominic Raab said the other day, didn't he, that that we can't start thinking about the lockdown until the five tests have been met. What test one is making sure the NHS can cope. I think that all boils and that boils down to the on a base level, the NHS can cope at the moment because of the freeing and the you know freeing of beds and the uh, and, and the introduction of temporary beds with the new nightingale hospitals and stuff like that so putting aside stuff about PPE and testing the NHS can cope test two is a sustained and consistent fall in the daily death rate that looks okay and we now see analysis saying well we maybe we passed the peak nearly two weeks ago although obviously you know the the death rate is still horrendous, and, and your heart goes out to some of the people. That it seems you, like there's you know, some a, a plateau, rather. I mean, it's not it's not completely yeah. falling off a cliff, is it? As you as you wouldn't expect it to, but maybe no. this time in two weeks, those uh, we're, we're sort of looking at seven, between seven and eight hundred. I know we we get a, we had some good figures at the beginning of the week. That was because of the um, lag from the weekend, and then jump yeah, back up right. on a Wednesday, don't they? But if you average them out, we're sort of looking at about seven seven hundred tragedies, aren't we, a, a day at the moment? If you if that starts to tail off, then yeah, I think you know the, there is some 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 light at the end of a very long tunnel there, perhaps. Yeah, so I think you could probably say test one and two. Okay, we could look to we could look to ease some of the restrictions based on that. The rate of infection decreasing to manageable levels is test. And without any widespread testing, that's really tricky, you know. So all you've really got is the number of people who are turning up to GP surgeries and then being referred to hospital 
with uh, who who we know are are, are infected. It, obviously, the evidence suggests that the, that rate of infection is decreasing. Whether it's at manageable levels or not, I don't know. But if you go back to test one, can the NHS cope? Then maybe you could even spin that test three is okay. So that's test one, two, and three. Arguably, are are there or or getting there? The fourth test is ensuring the supply of tests and PPE could meet future demand, and that's I mean that doesn't see. And then the fifth test seems to me to be almost. I mean, it is the, the wording of it is so strange because it, it says being confident that any adjustments would not reach risk a second peak. And without a vaccine and without widespread testing and even, you know, almost without a cure, how can you ever be confident that any adjustments you make will not risk a second peak? It's a, it's a very badly worded, I mean, politically, it's a very badly worded test, that isn't it? it? Is. Because I can't see anyone ever get, I mean, when will we ever get to, when will we ever pass that test? Um, yeah. You know, certainly not within two weeks' time. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you know, we... we the, the testing, vaccine testing on humans, as we're told, begun today. Um, and the, the brilliant interview, uh, well, not brilliant interview, but a brilliant interviewee, I thought, on Mar at the weekend. The I'm sorry, very sadly, I forgot the professor's name, but the yeah. lady from, from Oxford who was talking about from it. Oxford. It's brilliant to hear someone actually just answering questions rather than the normal political squirming and, and uh, dodging of questions that you get on Mar. Um, and he, I think after even Mar himself said at the end, "Well, wow, that was great." He actually answered my questions. Um, <laughs> and there is, there is, you know, that these people are working day and night to try and get us there, uh, and and that, and that is absolutely, you know, fantastic. But it, but even if it works, we're still a long way off. So I think, you know, Chris Whitty's the man that I go back to as the voice of reason here. So social distancing at least until the end of the year, um, and. And that is because they want to dodge that second peak. And while yeah. we're asking people to socially distance, how can we possibly open pubs, clubs, restaurants? It's going to be really tricky. It's going to be extremely, extremely difficult, isn't it? Um, there are some people who are more impatient than most people for all this to end. And it is quite amazing that during the Brexit thing, we were constantly being told that, Remainers hated Britain. The people, the new European, hated Britain. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm I've been looking at stuff. As I say, I, you know, I like to look at what the other side are saying. Um, and I've looked at a lot of stuff this week that's been written by right wing thinkers. Um, to um, to use the phrase thinkers in in its loosest form, and <laughs> it is quite remarkable that the, the people who were telling us that. We had got it all wrong because we didn't trust the British people and the British people are always right and they were right in the referendum and we didn't trust them. I'm now saying that they don't trust the, the British people. Casey Hopkins, I don't really like to talk about, but um, is, is a, a sort of a, a leader of this. Come on, Britain, grow a pair, uh, she's written. I don't recognise the people I live among. I'm a goldfish on the wrong side of the bowl. The country I thought I knew is distorted beyond all recognition. I'm gasping for air. In this strange new corona world, my neighbour seems neighbor seems to believe everything he's told. He weeps at pictures of coffins and he looks to the state for income. Those are all things that 
Katie Hopkins' views as you know I think we should do with that, that particular goldfish? Yeah. We should flush her right down the toilet, shouldn't we? She's quite yeah, we, small. She should probably fit down the toilet. Be, she should be flushed. Toby Young, what happened to the British people's bulldog spirit? We've become a nation of authoritarians. Um, he, he, he went on to say that, um, you know, even the Germans are, are, are saying that Angela Merkel's response has been too severe. Um, he, and, and he said, and this is an incredible thing to write for a Brexiteer uh, and, and somebody like Toby Young. He said, it's almost enough to make you think that our self, sense of ourselves as a nation of indomitable warriors has always been nonsense. We've been able to keep the myth alive because the last successful invasion of Britain was in 1066. But if Hitler hadn't paused at Dunkirk, perhaps we would have fared no better than all other conquered European peoples. And that's... Do you know uh, what? That's, it's just... It's incredible, isn't it? And, just... and again, you know, Daniel Hanan, the, the brain of Brexit, saying we're getting used to authoritarian <laughs> authoritarianism too easily. I and mean, he was warning about uh, finding ourselves in a place where voters might argue that if the state can find hundreds of billions to fight coronavirus, it can easily find smaller sums to support industry, right? bigger welfare checks and subsidised healthcare. I mean, right. it is really amazing, isn't it? Let me just make a few, a, co- a couple of points on that and then maybe we'll get to some fun and do a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> and then the books too. But um, I, I also, I have, I'm very... Uh, suspicious of authority. You will know that, Steve, as my boss. Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't like being told what to do, um, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm really not keen on any of my freedoms being lost. To the point where, when I was out for my daily exercise a few weeks ago, a, a lady um, walking past was on the phone to someone and said, "I was just stood still, and the police said I wasn't allowed to stand still." So I stood still. <laughs> For, for about 10 minutes, hoping that the police would do the same to me. Um, they didn't, and clearly she was probably um, being a bit over-enthusiastic in her storytelling. But um, and, and also, I didn't like an army general in uniform giving the daily, you know, beating on part of the daily briefing the other day. Uh, no. it, you know, it just... I don't know why he needed fatigues inside uh, number 10, and if he was expecting some kind of war to break out or whatever. I'm sure that the armed forces are doing exactly the job they're told, and I have every, you know, I, it's not a job I'd want to do, so good for them. I know they did a fantastic job help supporting the NHS, etc., etc. But we've got political leaders. We do not need um, military personnel to be giving uh, broadcasts like that. And I'm very concerned that after this, some of our freedoms. Um, may go away because there are people in authority who enjoy the authority more than anything else. The majority of our police officers, etc., etc., are extraordinary, brilliant, upstanding members of the police force and would never do anything wrong. But there are some who enjoy the power, and I want to make sure that they've not got any more power than they, they need to be able to make sure we're all safe. So I agree with the um, the sentiment of authoritarianism, uh, if I could say it, even um, being a bad thing. But talking about bulldog spirit, we've asked a whole nation to stay indoors and only leave once a day. Um, I mean, that, there wasn't even anything like that during the Second World War. So Toby Young can sling his hook. Um, he's just talking nonsense, absolute nonsense. What the British public have done, actually, during this period, and history will look kindly on the British public if we get through this and they continue to abide by the rules, which... 
as authoritarian as they are at this time, are, are sensible in my belief, um, is that they did the right thing. You know, they, a lot of them have, have lost have lost out financially, whether they've been furloughed or or otherwise, whether they've got a business or or whatever. You know, people are struggling out there, and they're struggling to save people's lives. So I don't know what these guys are suggesting. What we just forget about it and all go back to the pub. But that would be a nonsense, and people would die. People would die. Yes. I think that's the point, isn't it? And the, I mean, the, the two points are that, that strike me about this is, one, that, I, as I said before, you know, these are the people who were telling us the British public got everything right in 2016 and are now telling us that the British public are completely hysterical uh, and not right in 2020. Um, and... Also, they are, you know, these are people, Young and, and Hopkins particularly, who talk on and on about snowflake generation and how offend, easily offended they are. And now they are the ones that are easily offended uh, by something they see happening in Britain. And I think it is because they are seeing that, you know, people think that, are beginning to think that state intervention is probably the right thing to do and prioritising lives over money is probably the right thing to do and expanding public services is probably a, a good thing to do and trusting data over somebody's gut feeling yeah. is, is the yeah. right thing to yeah. do <clears throat> and prioritising the health of us all over the freedom of the individual is probably the right thing to do. And in all of these things, they're, they're seeing the, the seeds of their own defeat because they, they don't believe in any of those things. They believe in tiny government and the freedom of the individual and extremely low taxes and, and, and all of that. And one but of the I, lessons but Steve, I believe is not just that, yeah. I believe in the freedom sure. of the individual, but I don't well, believe in the freedom of the individual's actions to impact on someone else's life to the point that it yeah. may kill them. Quite right, too. you know. So, and and also, I, I'm no great fan of a massive state that's you know peering at us through through our windows. I'm no fan of that either. But I am a fan of a state that is nimble enough um, and powerful enough to intervene when a national crisis like this happens, like it has. Yeah. That is the point of the state. Um, of and course, it is. I think actually, you know, I don't think any of these three people here are clever enough. To um, to have even gone through the thought process that we just have in the last ten minutes, considering what they've written, what they are is professionally annoyed people, and yeah, more right. people read their stuff if they're annoyed at something. So they've got to find something to be annoyed about. Um, and you know, everyone thought that the Brexiteers. Well, no, actually, of course, no one thought it, but you might have thought that once Brexit was won and done and dusted that these people might go, hooray, isn't this a great thing? No, they're always going to find something because that is their profession, you know. Yeah, and, and they've moved on. Yeah, and I've got, I, you know, and I understand how journalism works. I understand how, um, you know, people are controversial and people like to read it. But in the case of the coronavirus, I think it's a little bit more, you know, people are dying. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have died. Many more thousands of people are heartbroken because people have died, and these lot are just trying to be controversial and, you know, frankly, sod off. Shall we do a little quiz? Let's do a quiz. Let's brighten our let's brighten our podcast up with a little to quiz. Stop you being so angry. Sorry. We'll do, we'll we'll do a little quiz, and then we'll talk about Keir Starmer for a minute. Oh yes, then, that'll cheer me up. And then we can do the Brexiteers of the week and do the quiz answers. Mm. Uh, okay. Question one. Question one. Former Tory MP Louise Mensch, remember her? 
Yes, I do. She, she turned down Metallica's uh, manager, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. Peter Mensch. She turned down a marriage proposal from who? Was it A? Oh, I know this. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Was it B? Boris Johnson, or was it C? Marc Francois. Mm-hmm. Number number two. Which publication interviewed and rejected the future Chancellor George Osborne for a trainee role <sighs> after he left university? Was it A, the Evening Standard? Was it B, The Economist, or was it C, The Financial Times? Well, I know that as well. Do you get a bonus point for the other publication that turned him down? Oh, I don't know. Well, that's good. We'll We'll come on to it. it. Question three. Who wrote the 2007 flop children's book, Perils of the Pushy Parents, A Mm. Cautionary Tale? Mm. Was it A, Michael Gove, who was the answer to every question last week? (laughs) Was it B, Jacob (laughs) Rees-Mogg, or was it C, Boris Johnson? Oh, I don't know. That's Question four. You don't know that one. Know Question that one. four. She's got a hard shell and she's not for turning. <laughs> Who owns a tortoise called Maggie? Is it A, Lindsay Hoyle? Is it B, John Burko? Or is it C, Giles Brandreth? Okay, I could have a good guess and, at that, I think. And question five. What song did his former, Keir Starmer's former flatmate reveal that Keir Starmer was once obsessed by? He used to listen to it dozens of times a week. Was it A, The Israelites by Desmond Decker? B, was it Jamming by Bob Marley? Or C, was it Dreadlock Holiday by 10CC? He, he went to school, didn't he, with someone quite famous, Keir Starmer? Who did he go to school with? Keir Starmer, he did go to school with somebody quite famous, and we said this the other day on the podcast. And they had violin lessons together, I believe. They did. Oh, I know, it was was Michael Sheen. I think it was Michael Sheen. Was it Michael Sheen? Yeah, I think it was Michael Sheen. Was it Michael Sheen? I don't know. Maybe. We'll find out. Someone can tell us on Twitter. Let's talk about Keir. Someone can tell us what we were talking about last week. (laughs) No, it was Norman Cook. Who was it? Fat Boy Slim. Oh, that's right. Fat Boy Slim. I always get Michael Sheen mixed up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did I well, tell you about when I tried to probably played football? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I tried to interview um, Norman Cook um, once. At, it was Glastonbury, two thousand and ten, yeah. and um, it wasn't a, a scheduled interview. I just happened to be wandering through the crowd. It was just after Snoop had played, I believe. Um, it was an afternoon set, and the main stage was absolutely round. If anyone's been to Glastonbury, it was it was you know spilling out into the other fields. It was like a headline set, but in the middle of the day. And I managed to get to sort of one of the bars on the sort of right hand side of the of the stage as you look at it. And next to me is Norman Cook. So I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity. He got my pad out, started to talk to him, and he just he looked at me absolutely blank. And then Zoe Ball ran up from about fifty yards away and basically grabbed him by his collar and just dragged him back to where they were sat. So I don't know why he was so speechless. I wouldn't like to guess what, um, no. what the problem was, but um, he, he, he was lost for words. I think maybe it was just a really was good question. Probably thinking about violin lessons with Keir Starmer. <laughs> what did you make of? He played Dominic Raab like a violin, didn't he? <laughs> he I did. mean, just incredible. He did. I mean, he it was a it was a a class act, wasn't it? And I'm really looking forward to seeing um, to see him go up against Boris. Um, you know, I'm really, I, I really am pleased with Keir's first couple of weeks, um, and I think it, it. I think you know he, he, he's asking the right questions. This this thing about the exit strategy absolutely got the mood of the nation yep. right on that one. Um, and you know, I don't think no secret to anyone who's listening to this podcast more than this episode. I'm a fan of Keir Starmer. I'm very, very hopeful about what 
um, a Keir Starmer Labour uh, can achieve. So, yeah, I'm really pleased. The PMQs was great. It was, it was weird, of course, because it was uh, this sort of virtual PMQs, although when they said virtual PMQs, I was hoping that they'd be like CGI characters, not actually pictures of themselves. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that would be good. They're little avatars. Avatars. Yeah. So they're all in the House of Commons, but they're not actually there, and they, they look a bit like The Sims or something. I was hoping for that. It was, um, I mean, it was a great performance by Keir Starmer. Brilliant, yeah. How great it was. I think he's measured, you know, against how bad the last few years have been. And, yes, and the opposition. You know, and the opposite, and the opposition. Of I mean, course, if, you, you know, if you sign your star striker and your first game is against Hereford and he scores a hat trick, you're going to be pleased. But yeah, you're going to want to see him take on the Man Cities and Liverpools. But it was not even, you know, to say, well, we've got the ability to test forty thousand people, and then for Keir Starmer to come back and say, well, that you're basically admitting that you're wasting the capacity of twenty-two thousand tests a day. It wasn't even that wasn't falling into Keir Starmer's trap. That was just a, a stupid, unforced error by yeah. Dominic Raab. And you, you do sort of when you look at him and, and, and Matt Hancock, you really do, and Pretty Patel, you, you really do worry, wonder, worry about the ability and wonder about the ability of some of these people. Um, but also, I mean, it was kind of brought home, wasn't it? When you know, I mean, bless him, you know, I mean, some. Respect to Jeremy Corbyn for, for wanting to turn up. Whether it's entirely wise to, for him to turn up, he's, he is 70, isn't he? And, and whether turning up was, uh, was entirely wise. But he clearly wanted to make his point. But but the point that he unfortunately made with a, you know, long and... I mean, it was it was so long and rambling, it could have been... He could have featured on this podcast. <laughs> um, and, and basically, it, you know, it sort of rambled through everything that's happened over the last five or six weeks, didn't it? And then yeah. he basically said, will he commit to saying that there'll be more PPE and more testing? To which the answer is clearly, yes, of course he will. Yeah, yeah. it was poor. Was but... it better without MPs? I mean, it was... No, I it... like, you see, everyone moans about it, but having, having sat through it and watched it in person... And maybe that's why I'm a little bit addicted to it. I've been obsessed by PMQ since I was a boy. And yeah. the shouting and the paper-waving and the nonsense of it, um, and it is completely nonsensical, I think I think it offers a, it offers something different. And people said, oh, it was much more like the um, Welsh Assembly or um, you know the, the Scottish Parliament or whatever. I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be shouting. I want it to be you fighting. You want it to be a bear pit. I do. I absolutely do because I want to see how my leader um, stands up to in that kind of um, uh, you know high temperature situation, that kind of stressful situation. Um, and I don't really think I don't really think that PMQs has been somewhere where you actually get any proper answers for a very very long time. What since TV cameras probably? Um, no. So and even perhaps before that. So. As soon as they were having to perform to the public, as soon as it was recorded and broadcast, whether whether on radio or on, it changed. And and I think that there are there are definite negatives to it, but I think the positives just about outweigh the negatives. So I'm looking forward to getting them all crammed back in there and shouting at each other. I'm sorry, but I just like it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I quite liked it. I quite liked the calmness of it. Um, 
But uh, imagine I'm not Kia. sure what it'll leave people like you and me to write about, but imagine I did quite Kia. enjoy the calmness of it. Yeah, I can see what you say, but you know, I'm on so many Teams meetings at the moment, I don't really need to be on another one during PMQs. <laughs> but, but there's so many... Yeah, I, I just... I, I'm absolutely... I cannot wait for it to be a bear pit and see how Kia performs against Boris in that bear pit, you know? I well, think that yeah, would be that fascinating. Well, and, and going back to what we were saying right at the start of this podcast, you know, Boris Johnson is is not a details guy, is he? And, he, and, and they Keir knew that when they, gave, when they gave him the gig, exactly. Boris yeah. Johnson is a tigger who bounces up there and says, don't worry about all of this, don't worry about the data, trust in me, it'll all be all right. And Keir Starmer is somebody is a, is a lawyer who whose job is to forensically look through stuff and forensically pick out the flaws yeah, in it. Yeah. So. And not just any old lawyer. He yeah. was the top lawyer in this entire country. Um, so he was the top lawyer. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, um, whether virtually or in person. Kia versus Boris. I don't think we've had a real heavyweight contest like that probably since. Well, probably since. I mean, you could argue Brown and, and Cameron, but certainly Blair, Blair and Cameron in, in Cameron's yeah. early days. I think it's reminiscent of that, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, before I mean, we. I, I, Sorry. I always thought Brown was quite good against Cameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, me too. I think Brown. I think I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a fan of Gordon Brown. But the um, j- just before we were massively overrunning time wise, so we probably need to cut this short now. But uh, it's worth mentioning how good Tony Blair has been on and in the media this week. Yes, very good, very sensible exit strategy outlined. Just get it him left in you the thinking, room. Why can't the government just do something like this? Would it be that bad for Boris? I don't think it'd be that bad politically. If he said, if Boris said, we're going to get, we're going to get Dave in, we're going to get Gordon in, we're going to get Tony in, maybe not to Cobra, but once a week, I'm going to ask him their opinion on stuff because they've been through stuff like this. Absolutely. I honestly don't like think that, that no, those people get major in. Those people, yeah, and major, absolutely. Those people who go, oh, warmonger, you know, war criminal, they ain't voting for Boris anyway, Boris. So don't worry no. about it. It's not an issue. A lot of those votes no. that you won were those um, were those centrist Labour votes anyway. You well, nothing, yes, exactly. nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. Um, right, Steve, I think we probably need to um, take a, a short break and um, and perhaps maybe... Just calm down a little bit and then crown a Brexit of the week. What do you think? I agree. Okay. Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back, Steve. It's time for a Brexiteer of the week. Or oh, are you going to do your quiz first? I think well, let's do the little quiz answer. All oh, right. Yeah. Good. Because you've not done very well recently, have you? So let's 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 well, go through these. I think I started well, didn't I? The first couple of weeks, I think I got even might have even got full marks. But yes, I, I struggled last week certainly. Yeah, you were zoning out. I think. Okay, so <laughs> so the first question was, uh, who who did Louise Mensch turn a marriage proposal down from? Oh, give and us the options. Your, your alternatives were Jacob Rees-Mogg, Boris Johnson. Uh, he'd have never asked multiple people to marry him. Oh, Mark Francois. It's, uh, well, actually, no, it's Jacob Rees-Mogg. It is Jacob Rees-Mogg, yes. Yes, Mogster. That would the have monster. been great, wouldn't it? And instead she managed, she, yeah, she managed, she married um, somebody who is a heavy metal manager instead. Right, I imagine their, his home life is quite similar to Jacob <laughs> Rees-Mogg. Isn't he the, man, he's the manager of Metallica, isn't he? He is the manager of Metallica, what, yeah. What's your favourite um, Metallica song? Uh, it's 
uh, Enter Sandman like everybody ding, else. Ding, 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 ding. And do you know what? You can play that on a certain instrument. Do you know what instrument you can play it on? I, I, well, <laughs> obviously, it's, the, it's, it's good when it's played on mm-hmm. guitar and drums, mm-hmm. but it's best when played on the stylophone. I'll update you on that next week, listeners. Excellent. Okay. Uh, when I, uh, on one of the occasions I went to see Bill Hicks, um, the great Bill Hicks live, yeah. he came out to enter someone by Metallica and Did stood he? at the front of the stage, sort of, you know, air guitaring as what? the uh, as the riffs went on. Is um, is nothing else matters by Metallica? I think that nothing is. Nothing yeah. else matters. I like to sing that, but I I take away nothing else and add Peterborough. <laughs> That falls into the the bracket of um of when uh when I think it was it, oh, it was under the bridge by the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers yeah. was 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 played on an episode of Beavis and Butthead <laughs> and and Beavis immediately said uh, sorry, Butthead immediately said, What is this crap? <laughs> and and Beavis replied, uh, "Sometimes cool bands have to do songs that suck to get chicks." Uh, and I think nothing else matters. Is uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't really like Metallica very much, apart from Enter Sandman. But it does fall under that one. Uh, question two: Which publication interviewed and rejected George Osborne for a trainee role? Was ah. it A. The Evening Standard? Mm-hmm. Where he is now? Was it mm-hmm. B the Economist? Was it C the Financial Times? Uh, well, the, uh, I can answer this correctly, and I can add the bonus point because there were two. So the, the answer to your question is B the Economist. It is B the Economist. Yeah, um, but he was also turned down for the Times trainee scheme. Was he? He was. Was he? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. That's exciting. That's interesting. It's weird, isn't it? Um, how many journal, how many wannabe journalists have fallen at the first hurdle at any um, publication, whether it be um, you know the the Yeovil Clarion or indeed yeah. the Times, and then gone on to edit one of the biggest papers in the country without well, actually Boris doing Johnson any training. Was, <laughs> Boris Johnson was sacked by the Times, wasn't he? Yeah, for, he for, was, for lying, true, and yeah. now he's running the country. Well, there you go, then. There when you he go. comes back, he'll be running the country. Uh, who wrote the 2007 flop children's book, Perils of the Bushy Parents, A Cautionary Tale? And your, op- your alternatives were Michael Gove, Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg-Mensch, mm. or uh, <laughs> Boris Mensch. Johnson. I can't, imagine, I can't imagine Mensch fitting in with the, with the Moggs, really, can you? Isn't Mogg-Mensch in, isn't that in Lord of the Rings? Isn't that a Tolkien thing? <laughs> Bring forth the mock men. <laughs> well, if not, it certainly should be. It um, should be. Uh, right, well, let's think, because uh, I honestly do not know this. Uh, but I guess, well, last week you had Michael Gove as the answer to everything, so it can't yeah. be him. I'm pretty sure I would know if it was Boris Johnson, so I, I guess it must be Jacob Rees-Mogg. Oh, it was. It was Boris Johnson. It was Boris Johnson? It was Boris the Johnson, Prime, yeah. Is he the first Prime Minister to write a children's book? He wrote a children's book, yeah. What? Do you think he is a pushy parent? I think we need to get... <laughs> we ain't pushing any prams. Do you, no. We need to get hold of this book, don't we? I think we probably do. We should order it, shouldn't we, from Amazon, and then we can 
we can read it, can't we? Next right, week, well, okay. You, you deal with that. There's a little bit of ho- a little bit of housekeeping, a bit of homework for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I can see him pushing the door open uh, with his bag. <laughs> see ya, cheers, kids. Uh, anyway, uh, next question: uh, Who owns a tortoise called Maggie and uh, and said that it's because she's got a hard shell and she's not concerning? And the alternatives were Lindsay Hoyle, John Burkow, or Giles Brandreth. I think you mean Burkow. Burkow. That's John how Brandreth. I say it. That's yeah. how I say it. We say it differently. Um, I, well, I, I, I'm going to, I don't know for definite, but I'm going to take an educated guess because I know he has a menagerie of animals at Lindsay Hoyle. It is Lindsay Hoyle. Yes, he's got yes. lots and lots of animals. He's got a parrot he? and all kinds of shit. He's got Rottweiler, he's got, hasn't he? He's got a parrot called Boris. That's right, yeah. He's got a parrot called Boris, and he said that the other day he heard it going, Order, order. <laughs> he did not. He did. He said that's what he said. He said it, it was like, Order, order. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, and on weekends, he said it just does sits in the bottom of its cage, not doing very much. Do, do, does he say um, that he sometimes says, All right, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Come here often. Who's a, who's a pretty boy then? <laughs> Me. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, look, there's a cockatoo joke in there. Now, yeah, there is, isn't there? I was let's, thinking let's, exactly let's, let's not Let's not go there. Um, and then, finally this week, what song did Keir Starmer's <clears throat> former flatmate reveal that Keir Starmer was obsessed by and he used to listen to it dozens of times a week, and it was The Israelites by Desmond Decker, mm-hmm. Jamming by Bob Marley, or Dreadlock Holiday by 10CC. Well, I, I, think, I think you might have even mentioned this on the podcast, but my, I've ever read something um, that you've written or you've said it on the podcast. I think it's uh, The Israelites by Desmond Decker. It is. It is, in fact, The Israelites by Desmond Decker, yes. And oh, I think it was oh. in our Keir Starmer fact. Ah, our guide to Keir Starmer facts. Our amazing guide to Keir Starmer facts. Uh, so that's good. That's good. You got four that this week. That's that's very very uh, very good indeed. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, by the way, I also had some quiz success this week. I've been doing a quiz set by Marcus Berkman, who's right. the famous pub quiz Prince of Wales in Highgate, uh, and it's uh, it's a Facebook quiz. It's called Quiz Night at the COVID Arms. It's really good, and I do it with uh, Will Buckley, who will be known to, to many listeners, um, uh, our friend from the early days of the New European, yeah. uh, former Observer, uh, Chief Sports Writer, and uh, we got this week we got 19 out of 20, which is a tremendously good score, and um, we, we, Will sent me the answers, emailed the answers to the wrong email address. So we were disqualified. Um, but I'm not bitter about it anyway. But other teams got 20. Three teams did get 20. So, um, but it, it was, we, we, we did do very well. Anyway, should we move on to the Brexiteers of the Week? Uh, yes, please. Uh, first of all, the Brexiteers of the Week in the print edition of the New European is different to this one. And it's different because you really need to see the photograph that's attached to this. But to cut a long story short, you know how. The Rolling Stones, Macca, Stevie Wonder, all these ageing superstars were on that thing, One World Together at Home last week. Yeah, it was it like a lockdown. Rubbish, wasn't it, it, really? 
It was, yeah, it yeah. Really? Roger Helmer, yeah. <laughs> Roger Helmer didn't get an invite. But what, luckily, though. he did strike out alone, and Roger Helmer, the former UKIP MEP, <laughs> made a video of himself reading from the works of Omar Khayyam, the 11th century poet and philosopher, very popular in UKIP circles, and um, he, he sat at home in the, the looking a bit like sort of Ronnie Corbett in the armchair, reading this this stuff out, and uh, it's been it's been viewed twenty three times on YouTube. This um, uh, the most remarkable thing about how it, many times? 23,000? 23, 23,000? 23, no, 23, <laughs> no, he's working <laughs> on the thousand. About three of them must have been you, just to write this piece, surely. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, it's 23, 23 views, it's bad, or as Pretty Patel would say, 23,000 and uh, 3,002 views. Million. Um, <laughs> billion views. Um, and, well, you have to see the picture to really believe it, but basically he is reading it out while uh, his head is right next to a huge bronze statue uh, of what looks like Britannia, but topless. Um, like a, like a fruity up, she, Britannia. It's like a fruity Britannia, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if Busty Babs Windsor had done Britannia in her pomp. Uh, so, uh, so check Britannia it out. Britannia rules page three. Brita- drool Britannia, I think drool it probably Britannia. is. Uh, so the British Tears of the Week proper then. Uh, David Starkey, he's good at, at history. He's not good at current events. Uh, he is on um, Christopher Chopper Hope's podcast, uh, the Daily Telegraph's Christopher Chopper Hope. Uh, he says quite a lot of nasty things about Remainers. He says we had sort of vile, sort of vile tactics and and that kind of stuff, and mm. he generally uh, mm. fulminates on about uh, about how awful we were and how lovely Boris Johnson is. Um, but he did say that during the refer- he says that during the referendum, apart from the Telegraph, everyone in the mainstream media was against the Brexiteers. And that's right, everybody in the mainstream media was against the Brexiteers, apart from the Sun and the Mail, who were the best-selling papers in Britain, yeah. the Sunday Times, the Sun on Sunday, yeah. the Sunday Express, yeah. the Sunday Telegraph, yeah. uh, and the Daily Express. Um, he also said that Henry VIII was the original Brexiteer, <laughs> although he did say he was a, a. He said he was also even after the Reformation. He said Henry was still a Catholic, although he was a strange sort of Catholic because he didn't believe in the Pope. Well, he um, didn't believe the Pope existed. He didn't believe in the Pope. Yeah, he didn't believe in the existence <laughs> of the Pope. But no. I'm a funny sort of Christian. I just don't believe in Jesus. Uh, Nigel Farage is next. I can't really believe we, 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 we've not talked about this before. I've missed it. Do you know what? what? I actually went past. The, the reason. I, the only reason I saw this story is I went past a, uh, a closed down, temporarily closed down wine bar the other day. And it had lots and lots of pages from newspapers sort of pasted in the window, so presumably to stop people from uh, chancing their arm and you know coming and relieving some of the stock. And this was this was one of the stories. It was in the paper. It was in the Sun. And Nigel Farage is in talks to appear in the next series of Channel 4's Celebrity Hunted, which I have never seen. Ah, have you ever seen Celebrity well, Hunted? Yeah, well, I, I can't say I've ever sat down and watched a whole episode, but I, I know um, from years ago the chap who is the... He's called Peter Blexley. He's sort of the bald, hard man copper. Um, right. He, he says things like, 
get him. Don't let him get away. All that kind of Don't thing. Let you know, him get, away. get me the CCTV footage of these. That kind of thing. And he's he's an, a former Met police officer. In fact, he was. Um, I'm not sure if this is classified or not, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He's uh, he used to be in the armed response, the is it SO19 or something. He was like a oh yeah, you know, Met police sniper. Um, right, and okay. he, yeah, he used to. He was a very good source of mine way, way back when I first landed in London. A good guy, really good guy. He's in that. Right, so, he, okay. so is he going to be chasing down Nigel Farage with his old SO19 buddies? <laughs> well, he, he is. <laughs> there yeah, he is, yeah, boys. Um, He's in my sights. <laughs> if you've not seen this this thing, you apparently start the team people up, don't they? So there are two of them, and then they have to spend a fortnight on the run. <laughs> and there's an elite team which this bloke is presumably the leader of or is part of. Yeah, Plexi. Yeah. And and they sort of you know they they have to they have to chase them down. And I've never seen this. Apparently, Stanley Johnson's been on it. Uh, a TV insider told the Sun finding somebody to pair Nigel Farage with is the hardest bit. Hannibal uh-huh. Lecter, maybe. Um, uh, and um, but a, a pal of Nigel Farage now. When, this, when you say a pal in a tabloid newspaper, it either means Nigel Farage himself or it means that you just made it up. Um, it's a pal told the son, those around Nigel think he could actually win. They've joked about the amount of pubs who'd open their doors for him to have a pint and, probably, and possibly stick him in the cellar for a few hours. <laughs> I wouldn't want uh, Nigel Farage in the cellar of my pub, I can tell you that much. Well... I don't, after, you know, after the the blow of coronavirus, would you would your stocks recover if you put Nigel Farage down there? <laughs> the, I, I would like to see him in a cellar, but only if it was Buffalo Bill cellar from the Silence of the Lambs. Um, <laughs> well, that would be, it'd about, be wine rather than uh, beer. That's it? right. Yeah, it puts the lotion in the basket. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got some other ideas about where he might hide a lily pad. He could hide in Julian Assange's old room where he did that interview with Julian Assange, or he could he could hide up Donald Trump's arse again. Do you think that, um, do you think that Julian Assange's um, children are actually uh, some kind of I don't know? Is it is it are they Nigel's children as well? Well, I think we're all we're all Nigel's children. Because you can aren't do we? that now, can't you? You can have double double parents from. You know, you can do all that kind of thing now with science. Maybe that's what they were doing in that room. Well, I don't know. Oh, Clearly, well, I don't I mean, know, do I? <laughs> well, who, who, who knows? Who knows? But it seems, I mean, maybe one day that detailed interview will come out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, so. that, isn't it? That's so. Maybe his recorder just didn't work in there with its thick walls and all of that kind of stuff. Maybe. Uh, but the Brexit of the week is Andrew Bridgen. Northwest Leicestershire MP, uh, big Brexiteer, wasn't he? Um, never off the telly. And like we said before about Toby Young and Hannon and Katie Hopkins, these people are never happy. They're never satisfied. He's won. Um, but now he is calling for the government to go back on their promise mm-hmm. to pay the so-called EU divorce bill, the 39 billion quid that was in the withdrawal agreement. And... I'm not sure it's the best idea to start your life as a independent country trying to do trade deals by welching on the trade deal that you've already well the deal that you've already done. Seems but anyway, idea. Andrew Bridgen's reasoning for this, he said circumstances have changed. The UK taxpayer now has a bit a major bill to pick up. 
we cannot afford to pay huge sums of money. And, you know, of course, the, the EU countries have all emerged completely unscathed from coronavirus and they've incurred no debt of their own. So no doubt they'll just be giving us our money back straight away. I mean, what an idiot. <laughs> and i tell you how much of an idiot he is. Mark Francois was asked whether he agreed with this, and he said, well, as the £39 billion was a commitment in the withdrawal agreement, it would be hard to rewrite it, and he said extending the transition could cost us even more in additional payments to the EU. So I don't think it's a very good idea. And imagine having an idea so bad that even Mark Francois can see through it. So Andrew Bridgen is the Brexiteer of the Week. Congratulations. Um on your on your crown fantastic news uh, steve what should the listener do right now uh stay safe stay at home wait for boris johnson to emerge please give us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice Ooh. it really does oh, make a well. big difference now now you come to mention that steve oh. um i've got some i've got some reviews oh um, yeah would you would you like to hear them I would love to hear them. Yeah, there, there was a there was a review this week, um, which I think you you may well see on on social. Um, yeah, which yeah. We're good. it's um, very flattering. Rubbish. Do not listen. One star. Um, but not everyone agrees. Here, check out this one. Um, this this is very nice. The the headline for this one. This is from um, Hemsleg, or indeed Hemsleg. Um, it says, "Been listening to the podcast for a while." Have to say, it's brilliant. Brilliant, Steve. Richard and Steve know their stuff and serve it up with humanity, humour and wit. Do you think there's another Richard and Steve? Yeah, I think it probably is. There yeah. might be, but they add, with a bit of chaos humanity. included. <laughs> humanity, I know. Um, a bit of chaos included, which is good, and chaos is certainly how the recording of this podcast has been done. Makes my day, Hemsleg adds, which is very nice, five stars. But this is this one, this is what we want. We love all reviews, good or bad, we're not bothered. But this is brilliant. Five star, headline, enjoyable. I've only wow. recently discovered the podcast and have been pleasantly surprised. I've been laid up in bed for a considerable period due to a hip replacement that was required after an overzealous martial arts incident. This podcast has helped me with my <laughs> recuperation, D-Rab. <laughs> <laughs> this is great, isn't it? I do you like may it remember, of course, that back. Dominic Rab was uh, the butt of some of our jokes uh, a couple of weeks back because uh, he's so hard that he um, he put... He, 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 Needed to, he put his hip out doing martial arts, didn't he? He broke his own hip doing that's martial right. arts. That's right. Yeah, he's so that's hard. That. According to Darren Grimes, that According is the mark to, of how how good you are at martial arts. According to Grimesy, that is the case. Yeah, if but, Bruce Lee had put his own <laughs> hip out, I mean, uh, I'd like to see Bruce Lee versus Dominic Raab. <laughs> in his Bruce Lee and his pomp. Enter the Rob. <laughs> Enter the Rob. Oh, uh, yes, it's what mixed martial arts was invented for. I think. Get that cage up and get me Dominic Rob. Um, we, uh, we, I would personally sponsor that bout. By the way, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah, Dominic Rob stripped to the waist. <laughs> God, does it have to be? <laughs> 
Um, okay, so how can how can the listener keep up with us on social media during the week? Well, they can join the tremendous uh, New European Facebook readers group. They can just like the, the New European on Facebook. Mm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. You can follow the New European on the Twitter at the New European. Oh, 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 sorry, I wasn't paying attention. No, you can follow me at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. Do pay attention, Porrit. <laughs> Porrit. Porrit. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute world to us that you do tune in. If you haven't already, use your weekly shop or your daily jaunt uh, for some exercise to grab hold of a copy of the New European in print. It's a splendid issue. Lots of politics, lots of coronavirus, a little bit of Brexit, lots of arts and culture as well. Don't miss it. We will be back next week. Please do stay safe. Until then, Mr Campbell... Play your bagpipes. Here you go. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.